it's very difficult to correlate the use of competitive intelligence with a product working better. You would need to have every single experiment, marketing and product experiment, correlated to one insight from a competitive intelligence tool in order to measure ROI of intelligence. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast, here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing, stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your full potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Danny Wasserman. And I'm Karina Owens, coming to you from the Gong Studios. Listeners of Reveal and my fellow compadricos, Karina, we got a guest who's on this episode exemplifying resilience, showcasing what it means to be a team player. Today, we're talking with none other than the CEO of Compite, Paracodina. He's going to share all about how you can revolutionize sales process, maximize ROI, all that good stuff using, buzzword here comes, AI-powered sales battle cards. Maybe you weren't expecting battle cards to be powered by AI, but that's awesome. We are all contending with competition. It is intensifying. We're all trying to think about how we can find that competitive edge. And yes, the answer, according to Para, is battle cards. So I am dialed. I am in. I am buying what Para is selling when it comes to this concept. Karina, you had the chance to interview Para. What can we expect? He was such a delight to interview. He is like the brainchild of this uh, tool that is just basically making everything more efficient for sellers. I know how hard it is to have to go in and update a document and make sure that it's accurate and it's timely to you can adapt to all the in, ever increasing landscape of, you know, competitive technology that people are facing with today. So his solution is really something that's pretty new and something that I haven't come across before. And it's something that he really stresses that sales team get involved with just like from the get go, just get on board with from the beginning. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear a lot of his hot takes on how to use tools like these and how to really drive sales efficiency with competitive intelligence like his AI tool. Well, with that said, if you're licking your chops like we are, DJ, spin that. Vera, welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have you here on Reveal. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Karina. I'm so thrilled to have you. And as I was doing some research about you, I actually happened to land on an article uh, from 2020. It was a message really, I think, you know, of course, to your team, but also I think to your customers. And you said, if you had to pick a superpower to define your team during these times, it's the ability to adapt and move forward and remain resilient and can continue to provide value to your customers. And then you ended it with a quote from Helen Keller, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much more which I think bleeds beautifully to a very recent announcement that with the acquisition of SAM Rush. So curious yep. if you would like to share with us a little bit about that journey and that story. Um, sure. So, you know, we started Compite seven, eight years ago back in Barcelona, Spain, and it was a long journey. Um, at some point, we end up, you know, moving to the United States. It was San Francisco first and Austin later. <laughs> and it was like just when we were starting to be comfortable in Austin that, that COVID hit. Mm. And, you know, COVID hit very different in different companies. So for some companies, so in, in startup, it all depends on like how much money is left in your bank account, right? And probably for us, it was not the best moment when it hit. And then we needed a lot, you know, that team, you know, all this resilience was like really, really needed at that time. And I was actually surprised and 
you know, the quality of the team we built and, and how this team went through all this process right during COVID. And I would say the end of like that process was this, you know, this acquisition, right? So we recovered from COVID, we thrived again after, and as a consequence of this, right, we were attractive enough, you know, to be, to be acquired by Sunrise, right? And, yeah. and like super, super good news for us. If you don't mind me asking, how much of that core team that was through that entire process is still intact today? I would say a lot of them. Most of the engineers are still there. Uh, obviously, you know, after like, the acquisition, there is people that leaves and, you know, new people that joins. We actually literally more than double the team we had at the time of the acquisition. So a lot of new faces, but still, you know, a lot of like existing faces. Well, that's great. And it sounds like the core of it is really the people that built yeah. your company to begin with. So that's incredible. Why was this uh, was such an important company for you to focus on? Because it's, it's very niche, right? To focus on just thinking about how are your companies or how are companies losing to their competitors and then quantifying that to revenue walking out the door. I think it's incredibly important. I have done this so manually in the process where I will just beg and beg and beg a customer to get on the phone with me and go through a list of questions or even just a survey email. So what sets, separates what your company provides and what your product provides from really that human element of just doing it yourself? Yeah. So, you know, what made Compa different since the very beginning or what the problem we wanted to solve since the very beginning is companies have a lot of competitors and it's more and more, it's not going to be less than that. And even if it's not that much, it's a lot of information, right? So we saw this, you know, happening eight years ago and we started finding a solution and we realized that we could solve this problem using, you know, what at that time was like cutting edge technology. So we end up training a, a machine learning system, an AI, yeah. which now, you know, it's everyone talks about AI, but at that time it was like... Everything is AI. Right? <laughs> and we trained this machine learning system to understand what competitors were doing. And then we also built a technology to keep track of all this information. The combination of these two things, it totally simplifies and automates the competitor tracking. So it answers the question. It solves the problem of like, what's happening in my competitive landscape today? And it doesn't matter if it's three, five, or 35 competitors. It's going to take you a few minutes a week only, right? That is what enables for, okay, now we can have competitive analysis reports, sales battle cards, or any other sort of like competitive analysis asset updated, you know, multiple times a week. Your product will do that. Yeah. Got it. And if we are able to send this information to the people that has to use it, sales reps, marketers, anyone that needs to use it, this can generate a massive competitive advantage, right? And then you're thinking like, how can we quantify this? What is the value of, you know, your team knowing what the competition is doing aside from like just being cool in, right? Or cool data, right? Right. And there is where kind of like the sales, sales enablement use cases, they shine, right? Because it's a lot of people, it's a lot of effort that companies put into selling. And when you lose a deal to a competitor, you lose it in the last minute. Right. And you know, you already did all the investment. So I like the full funnel approach there. That really definitely helps to try and save the deal before it gets to that unfortunate point of loss. But why do you think there is such a big loss to competitors just generally? And why should sales teams focus on this from a strategic perspective? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? So it's a matter of efficiency. So we 
run some math around it, and we ended up figuring out that you know every sales rep on average is losing you know around half a million dollar to a, a million dollars every year to compare it. And obviously, it depends on the industry how competitive it is. It can be much more if it's competitive industry. If it's if there are not that many players, and you know it's at the beginning, it be less on average. That's what we notice, right? And this is revenue that's already in the pipeline. So, you know, we already spend all this marketing and sales development, um, you know, resources into getting this deal into this point, and then the deal goes to competitor. And nowadays, efficiency is something that's really important. So, you know, if you multiply this, you know, half a million, a million dollars per rep, and you take a company that has like 20, 50, 60 reps, we're talking, you know, about a lot of money, and a lot of losses that could be prevented. I mean, not all of them, you know, we're going to end up losing the other competitor always, but many of these losses are prevented. That's why I think it's a huge opportunity. If you run the math, you're going to see like all this money that's left in the CRM. It's like, okay, so we have all these deals here. We're just losing them because, you know, we're just not saying what you have to say. Right. I want to get back to the how you play with SEM Rush. I've been in business for a little over a decade. I don't want to date myself too much now, but um, SEM Rush was one of my first like favorite marketing tools, and it was interesting to see. I can make assumptions on how you guys are going to evolve your product roadmap, but is there any little insights into why you think SEM Rush saw you guys as like the oh, yeah. one to acquire? Yeah. So I think one of the main reasons to partner with Compite. So, I mean, in, in every acquisition, there are like multiple reasons why a company ends up buying your company. In this case, the most important one, the first one was the technology. So technology was important because, you know, there are pieces of compact of this technology that we develop that can be used in like, you know, many other use cases and other applications internally can help optimize existing processes and so on. So there is a technology play. And then there is also like the, the business play, right? And the, the business play is about Samrush is expanding, it's growing, it has like, you know, a lot of like different products, but it's also expanding with its platform. And then Compact had something that was like very interesting, which is like this relationship with the product marketing teams, which they just sit side to side, like, you know, with the performance marketers, which are, you know, that let's say most of the Samrush users are performance marketers, right? Right. So product marketers, they take care of like, you know, some part of the competitive intelligence or process. And, and you know, then there is the others fact that's like, you know, 90% of our user base are, you know, people that work in the sales organization because it's just oh. like how the technology works, right? Sure. Because ultimately what matters is that, you know, all these reports, who is actually using this intelligence and it's the sales reps, it's product marketers that build, you know, competitive assets so that sales can use them. So we sort of like have this relationship already with like, you know, product marketing and sales organizations. And this is a natural way for Samrush to expand, um, you know, the user base. Yeah, I think they actually see the value of also, you're saying product marketing specifically, yeah. but um, as an account-based marketer specifically myself, like I see the immediate value of your solution and mm -hmm. then combining it with a search optimization solution, right? There's definitely power in that, knowing what terms are using and when. But for you, it's when is the company like using those terms or searching for those products, et cetera. So I'm really excited to see about where you guys take this partnership and how much more it's going to evolve. So any other little tidbits or excitements that you can uh, tease out for us about what we could expect to see about the roadmap in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So we already built, let's say, the technology that is able to you know, automate all this tracking. We solved this problem you know, better than anyone else out there. 
for, you know, this use cases like sales battle cards. Um, moving forward, we're very much centered in like delivering a lot of value to the users of this intelligence, to the final users of this intelligence, which is, again, in our case, the sales teams and, you know, when they are pitching against competitors, right? Yep. Um, when they are presenting the solution, when they're positioning against their competitors, we want to make sure that, you know, all this intelligence, all this value that's generated with the software, it's actually being used, right? And you're going to see like a lot of like new things uh, that we're going to be releasing in the upcoming months and quarters that are quite used to like, okay, how can we capture the most value? How can sales teams capture all this value, right? Right. And how do they get notified? Where do they find it? Where does it show up? It's like where my brain goes next is. You know, we build all these assets, are these guys kind of like align with the official messaging and how can we help them be more aligned and how can technology and how can AI can help them get there, for example. Yeah. Well, you mentioned battle cards, and I want to touch on that. That's always been actually, um, in every SaaS company I've worked, I've played a role in shaping those battle cards, even though I'm not by discipline a product marketer. It felt largely in use, and it felt very manual. And I felt like it had to be my job to make it hyper-relevant every mm -hmm. day. How did you see that? Like, how did that come to your mind that, okay, these competitive battle cards, like, they're necessary, but they're outdated? Mm -hmm. Again, we started from the marketing side. This is something that's documented. When we started with Compact, we were mostly focusing on like demand generation use cases, right? And then talking like, you know, five years ago, right? There was a group of users that were like the product marketers and that they were insisting on, you know, using the website tracking technology and all of these things we have, you know, they were like using it to create sales patterns. And then is when we kind of like saw the relationship. It's like, these guys have to create battle cards and it takes a lot of time. And, you know, the more players are out there, it's a mess. And then sales is always yelling. It's like, it's update. <laughs> okay. And then we saw that, you know, some of our users were using it to do this. Like they jump in, they use all this automation so that they can keep these battle cards up to date, right? And still, I think there is like a piece, like a key element here that's, you know, this product marketing, this sales enablement team, whoever is building these battle cards that in every company it could be someone different, but ultimately they're doing the same work, which is process all this information, information, right? And, you know, summarize it and make it available for sales teams. And I think the key here is, you know, you also need the sales team involved, like the sales leadership involved, right? Because it's not the same the way we write things, you know, when we're thinking of marketing and content versus the way people speak. And if you think of a sales rep, when a sales rep is in a call, they don't have all this time to like, you know, one thing is like the training materials that you're going to prepare for them and probably like also use the same intelligence. And another thing is like what they need to use in the call. It has to be like something very quick, very concise. Mm. And you now the kill shots, the landmines, the three, four, five items, the weaknesses and strengths of this competitor. And what we've seen many times is like very long battle cards that don't really resonate um, right. in else audience. And what we've seen working is when this is like kind of like agreed between sales and marketing. It's like okay, this is what we're gonna say. This is how we're gonna, no, how we're gonna say how we're gonna present our solution against this competitor and so on. But yes, it's a lot of work in it. You're underselling the work. It's a lot of work. You know, we have you know very good relationship with all the product marketing community. Um, we've been working with them at some point with zero in product marketers only. We've been working with them for years. 
And, you know, they all love Compact because of like, you know, how fast can we do this, right? So it's like, you know, we will build the automations and the workflows and so on. Suddenly it's like a few minutes, see everything that happened. I did the battle cars and so on. This is a hard time justifying how little time were they spending in the platform. AI and automation can revolutionize so many of those mundane daily tasks that sales reps have on their plates. Think, there's note taking, there's data entry, following up with customers, and the list goes on. Which in return opens up more time if you can automate all that crap. Well, it opens up more time for sales reps to focus on the things that they're paid to do and that they love doing, like meeting goals, closing deals, so forth. There's data to back all this up as well. According to LinkedIn's state of sales report, 73% of sales professionals are using this type of sales technology today to close more deals. So if you're not in that 73% majority, it's time to consider AI as that superpower you've been looking for that your teams are desperately hungry for and can harness yesterday. Enough from me. Let's dive back into the episode with Para and Karina. Can you tell me a story that like you always go back to? So let's say like you were going to pitch your product. You don't have to name the company, um, whatever you feel comfortable sharing from a graphic, demographic, et cetera. But is there a company that comes to mind always for you where like we help them win this revenue back with our solution? Yeah, yeah, it is. We have a customer in the uh, real estate CRM space, okay, so CRM software space. And I think they have like 20, 25 reps when they started. that. Now they have a lot more. And within the first three months, like 12 weeks, I mean, we were lucky enough that these guys had everything like set up to measure it, right? Which is, we don't see this all the time, right? Uh, but they were already aware of like the losses they had to competitors and they had like everything in place in the CRM to measure it, right? And so it was like, okay, let's just our cards out and see what happens. And in the first three months during the, what we typically call the onboarding time, they already saw a 9% bump in conversion rates. And that translated into like 1.2 million revenue gain from their top competitors. So they literally stole 1 million in, in 12 weeks to competitors. Wow. What's the sales cycle of that deal? I don't think it was like a long sales cycle. Right? Okay. So okay. Even if it's like, it should be like, most likely I think it's like a mid-market or even like less sure. than you know, real estate CRM. The important thing here is like, the sales cycle is critical, but if you think of like, when are you going to use the battle cards? Like, right. so like when they're valuable all in any time in the pipe, but when they're more valuable is like at the end, like the second half of the sales process, when you're actually competing. So all these deals that were in the pipe that were competitive. So I think that what these guys like were quite smart about which battle cards to focus first. Like they knew exactly, it's like, we're going to create battle cards against this and this and this competitor, which probably were the ones that, you know, identified the best opportunity. And they also had the sales leadership on board since the very beginning. It was right. not only the product marketer idea or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened is they just like trained their reps very quick on how to win deals to these like three to five competitors, like which changes should they make, right? And boom, it just exploded. And you could see like, you know, how they start adopting, how they're using, how they're reading, looking at the battle cars. And at the same time, like conversion rates are going up. It's like, wow. That's incredible. That's a really well, great I story. I use them as a reference, like every time we're pitching with investors and so on. And, you know, they're having like our reference for a while, yeah. Yes, I want to see them on a keynote stage somewhere. That would be amazing. Is there something that you would say, like, let's flip the script here. Yeah. Companies that maybe, because they sound a little bit prepared, right? Like they knew what a battle card was. Maybe it was more of a manual process. What about these companies that you interact with that are just square one, 
just implementing a CRM, getting a battle card in place. Maybe they have one product marketer. How do you sell the value of your solution to them? We need companies to have, you know, at least a sales team built. But if they have a product marketer in the team, they probably, you know, probably have a sales team that's, you know, maybe like 10 reps. Five or to so. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five to 10, you're still working on like how to get these this guys to perform. Like you shouldn't be like that worried about losing more or less unless the market is highly competitive. If it's sure. highly competitive, it's like 80% of the deals are competitive, then yes, right? That's what you need to start with, right? Like, you know, if you are entering a market where 80% of the companies have another solution or, are, you know, all the deals are competitive, then obviously you need to, you know, start thinking of this from the very beginning. But let's say when the team is built, you know, as you said, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 employees, you know, 10, 20 reps, product marketing team in place, I would start with data. So the first thing we need to do is like, okay, if we have 10 reps that are pitching to competitors, after a few months, we're going to have a lot of data, right? So like some deals won and a lot of deals lost, right? And then is when we can start analyzing this data. It's like, okay, to which competitors are we losing most of the deals and why is this happening, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think the opportunity is in like, you know, focusing or concentrating in those competitors that, you know, they take a significant portion of the deals, right? And the reasons for having lost that deals are what, you know, easy to fix reasons, right? Um, typically, these are like more like sales execution issues, like are the reps saying what they have to say in the calls, right? Sometimes it's just like unclear and, you know, you know, we got gone. So it should be versus what it is, the reality, right? Just fixing these issues, fixing messaging, like tweaking the messaging, creating maybe some additional collateral. Um, you know, focus on these things, even like some pricing. And then once you identified, okay, these competitors and these reasons that we don't need to make a big change in the organization, then we create these battle cards from these guys. And again, simple, very simple, very short battle cards. We don't want to like have to spend a lot of time training. We don't want the guys to be like, you know, be overloaded. Yeah. We want to fix like very easy, like, you know, quick wins. And then we retrain the reps. And after this, in a few weeks, you should see an impact in the pipeline, right? Every time that we have followed this process, we've seen like some sort of like a good impact in this part, right? And then moving forward, then is when we can expand the initiatives. Like we can go into other competitors, like this long tail of competitors, or we can start, you know, um, changing pricing models, positioning, adding features to the product and so on. The things are going to take months, right? But in the meantime, we can already start like, you know, winning some deals to these guys, yeah. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience, you know, I think, you know, most people aren't buying right now, right? Most people are reevaluating the solutions and trying to slim down their tech stack, do more with less. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that that's probably, you know, the companies you're working with, it's probably getting more hard for your solution to say, hey, like you've got to be updating this information very quickly, right? So that's where you would be beneficial because a lot of uh, new tech products are going to be acquiring other companies and making yep. all-in-one solutions, all-in-one platforms, making it easier for you. So what has been, I don't know, a moment for you during these, you know, crazy economic times where you've seen like, this mm -hmm. is the most common loss reason, uh, maybe across the certain organizations or just across the board? And how have you empowered your sales teams or other sales teams to overcome it? I think we're living in a paradox and we discussed this with the team because we have exposure to tech, right? Mm -hmm. As any, let's say, product in a new category that's applicable 
to tech companies, right? Tech companies tend to adopt much sooner than other other spaces. So we have like significant exposure to tech customers. And at the same time, we're not seeing our churn rates grow, which is like we are having the same kind of like churn we had in the past, right? And the question here is like, why is this happening? And we've been thinking about it because, you know, you would expect this. And actually we are seeing not a huge surplus in demand. We're seeing like, you know, more and more demand for this technology. And the thing here is, if you think about it is many of them make their reflection. So a lot of companies were not efficient enough in generating demand, right? And that's normal, right? Especially in startups. I mean, there are many reasons why this happens, but you end up like, let's just spend a lot of money, generate a lot of demand, and then we'll figure it out after, right? And right. Actually, that works when there is like an excess of capital in, in an industry, right? Thing is like, this has changed. And then, you know, what the questioning is like efficiency. And again, um, efficiency is the key of this game. So when you lose a deal to a competitor, you already paid all the customer acquisition cost. You paid for the demand generation, you paid for the ads, you have paid for the sales rep. So the only thing left to pay is the commission to the sales rep. That's it, right? And this customer is going to buy a solution. It's just not going to buy yours. It's going to buy some mm-hmm. else solution. So if you already paid for all of it, right, it makes a lot of sense to like, you know, get the most out of like this pipeline that you already are generating or that your team is already generating. So I think that's why we are seeing what we're seeing now, which is we were kind of like bracing for um, difficult times when it comes to like retention and it's more or less the same, right? I think in our industry, the challenge has been always uh, adoption, right? Adoption of the battle cards. And this translates into, you know, having not only the product marketing, but also the sales leadership involved in the deal and in the relationship, right? But it's also what the, product marketing team should also be kind of like thinking of like, it's like before getting started, let's make sure sales wants it and, and how they want it. And it should be like in partnership because ultimately then it's like, you have the guys that are going to use the intelligence on board and okay. they use it. I mean, typically we always see that this works, right? A hundred percent. And what part of the sales process on your end, when you're selling your solution, mm-hmm. do you try and get buy-in from the sales team? Since the very beginning. I mean, we okay. either started the conversation with sales, right? That's something, you know, that we started doing like, you know, quarters ago and working pretty Or we get the sales leaders involved at the beginning of the conversation. Like, you know, when, we, uh, I mean, again, there are some customers that they are not, they don't have sales teams and they still can use the technology to track competitors, right? But if we know that the use case is going to be like a sales use case, uh, then we want to make sure we have like this other side on board, right? Uh, from the beginning. Do you see yourself leaning into companies that may be less sales-led growth motions and more product-led growth motions? Because I still see a, a place for your company there and just yeah. curious about your thoughts there. Uh, my thoughts there is there is a, so the opportunity in sales is much bigger. So technically it's not bigger, but it's easier to measure. So it's very difficult to correlate the use of competitive intelligence with a product working better. You would need to have every single experiment, marketing and product experiment, correlated to one insight from a competitive intelligence tool. Like, you know, you should be linked in order to measure ROI of intelligence. So that's the biggest challenge in our industry, right? I always remember when kind of like we realized of this, it was like a long time ago, there was a, an episode of this TV show, this Narcos TV show, <laughs> in which, um, this guy from the DEA, the two police guys they are talking about, like one guy was upset because the other shared a lot of intelligence with Pablo Escobar, uh, biggest white 
right? Right, like, right. Giving them all this intelligence, right? And these guys are, you know, narcos as well. He said this sentence, like, you can have all the intelligence in the world, but if nobody's there to act on it, what is it worth? So you have to be in this business, in our business, you have to be able to capture the moment when intelligence is being used Yep. to see a full picture. So the delivery of this competitive messaging, that's what drives the ROI. And this in sales, it's something that's possible and that there is a lot of money on the table, right? Mm. We can know how many deals are competitive, right? Even if you don't have the CRM updated, right? Uh, you would just like, you know, we have all the transcripts, we have all the information. So we know how many deals are competitive, right? It's there. Information is there. We can end up figuring out manually, automatically, however, but we can figure out, right? So we can quantify the problem. We can also see if reps are using them, if reps are using the battle cards. And we can also even see if this messaging is used in the conversations, right? We have full trace on, you know, the efficiency and the use of the intelligence, right? this intelligence is being used or not. So this is why sales enablement is such an attractive use case, right? Uh, ultimately, you can have intelligence, like use it anywhere. You can buy a, make the decision to buy a company for $3 billion, right? Because you had an intelligence report. How likely is that this is going to be attributed to this report? Right? So that's what I see the challenge in product and marketing use cases, which is like, you know, you should correlate every single experiment with an <laughs> Then say, yeah, you know, because we use this tool or this software now, we've made all this progress in the product, right? Yeah, no, very fair answer. Pera, I have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests. And that is if you were to describe sales in one word, what one word would that be? Fun. Fun. It's a lot of fun. And I'm an engineer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've uh, yet to meet an engineer that says sales is fun. So tell me more. Yeah. yeah. So I started computer science and built a couple of companies um, in Compa. I, you know, I kind of like it's the company in which I kind of like did the transition. Like, you know, we have like have an amazing CTO and, you know, my co-founders are product and technology guys. Um, so I took the responsibility on, you know, everything facing out like, you know, marketing, sales, investors and so on. And, and then is it when I had to de-learn everything I learned in the past, maybe like, you know, 15 years, right? Because when you study computer science, they sort of like shape your mind to think in a very logical way. And like things are like black and white and so on. And one thing you learn in sales is it doesn't always work like this, right? And you have to de-learn all these things, um, change your perception of everything around you. And for me, this was like, uh, I had a lot of like, during this journey, right? And now sort of like normalized, right? Living in dichotomy, like having my engineer inside and my sales guy inside, right? And yeah, for me, it was like, the journey was like a lot of fun, a lot and a lot of things. And every day is different in sales, right? So you have one day you're here, another day you're there, and you have to always be fighting with all these things evolving and changing, right? So for me, that's all. It sounds like then that you're a very people-oriented person. Because so much of what sales and marketing is, is it's all around the psychology of people. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes not. I... <laughs> well, thank you so much. Congratulations on all your success. If our listeners wanted to find you, connect with you, anything you'd like to share with them about what platform you engage with the most on or how to learn more about you and your company and all that's to come. Okay, perfect. So, you know, they can reach out better at compite.com. Perfect. Well, 
Thank you. I so enjoyed our chat today and you will be a lifelong friend of the show. We'd love you back anytime. And just again, congrats on all that you've done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this time. And yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Reveal. If you want more resources on how revenue intelligence can help you create high performance sales teams, head on over to gong.io. And if you like what you heard, well, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen.